Hi, my name is Rodrigo. This is Ryan. And this is the Ether Podcast. And today uh, we are looking at Mark 6, verses 7 through 13. And we're very excited because we have a special guest. Before we get to our guest and before I get to introduce him, uh, basically this passage is about evangelism. It's about the sending of the 12 and there's other passages like it. And from this group of passages about basically Jesus sending people out on a mission, uh, recently there's been, uh, I would say, a method, an idea, a methodology that has been born that a lot of churches have adopted called the man of peace principle. And it's a very interesting idea. I think it's a very innovative idea. I think it's a way, uh, a very interesting and practical and very biblical way to look at evangelism. And today we have a very special guest that's going to help us discuss this. Uh, he is a church leader in the First Rock Church in Greenville, South Carolina, who's adopted this whole principle. And so we're here to ask him a bunch of questions about it. And I would like to begin by making him very uncomfortable and give him a proper introduction. Because what could be said about our great guest, Ronnie Rose? You need help, man. I mean, <laughs> as far as good looks, the man is a good-looking man. Wow. As far as convictions, strong. Wow. I mean, as far as physique, he is a very fit, very healthy man. Thank God for audio. <laughs> right. And uh, I love him. I respect him a lot. And uh, it's a pleasure to have you as our guest. You are our first guest ever on our podcast, Ronnie Rose. Really? Wow. How about that? Okay, man. That's an honor. Yeah, man. So, you know, we'll send you a shirt or something. Right, right. So you guys have just been fighting each other and you, you got, you know, each other's moves and you had to bring someone else in. Yes. But right. you, you, my friend, are the person to talk about this whole person of peace thing. Uh, you and I had a conversation about this whole principle, I want to say about six months ago, and I was very intrigued. I've read several books about it, and I really like it. I think it's awesome. But the big difference is that you lead a church, mm -hmm. and this is basically a method, a principle, whatever you want to call it, that you've really taught, and you've had the members of your church adopt it. So if we could begin by you basically explaining what is the person of peace principle? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny. I mean, you know, you started off with talking about how um, it is innovative. And it really, it is because it's, it started with Jesus. And the principles that he teaches the apostles here in Mark 6, uh, in Matthew 10, what he, the principles that he teaches the 72, uh, which is a little different because of the role that they had. I mean, it's just a little different, but it's, it's basically the same. I mean, this is the principle that Jesus had to start his own ministry. And I have to start off with saying that it is a relief to hear um, to, to really digest how Jesus went about evangelism, how he taught his uh, closest followers, because it's a relief for all of us who have, are really intimidated by evangelism, though it's not to say that it doesn't require boldness. Um, it's a relief for those of us who are constantly feeling like, you know, man, I've got to include this in my lifestyle. Um, 
you know, I've, I've got to get better at this or I need to do this more. It really will help you go from I need to evangelize more to how am I doing with uh, the people that God has sent me to. It really is about making it a lifestyle. Uh, but in many ways, it just seems a little too easy. It, it actually, when I first heard about this, I thought this is kind of the, this is a coward's way out uh, in, in some ways. I was like, this, this doesn't really make sense. I mean, and it really does focus on, you know, like you mentioned, Jesus told his disciples, the apostles, the 72, that when they go out to these areas, that they need to find someone who, who's a person of peace and exactly what to do with them. And honestly, the first example that we have, uh, at least the first example that I saw in the New Testament was just how Jesus started his own ministry. Um, so, you know, he, he taught them, look, you go, you announce yourself, uh, to this town, you let them know that you're there in peace. You let them know that you're, you know, about God, about Jesus ministry. And then you find someone who's going to partner with you. You find someone who allows you, uh, to work out of their home, uh, and he says, look, when you find this person, you know, when you step into this home, you know, you, you give it the greeting. And if, the, if a person of peace is there, they will invite you in. They will serve you. They will do all these different things. And that through that person, you'll reach out to that town. Through that person, uh, you will uh, reach out to, you know, you use their influence for that town. and." what Jesus is really telling them to do is look, you go, you announce yourself and you find out who bites. You find out who is open to you, who uh, I guess likes you, who's willing to hear more about what you have to say. And we see how Jesus did this with the first followers in John chapter one, where it's amazing because Jesus was as bold as anyone and he could preach better than anyone. I mean, he invented preaching yet we don't see Jesus starting his ministry by addressing a crowd and saying, come follow me. Actually what we see is John the Baptist announces him. And then in John one, we see two, you know, some disciples coming up to him and initiating with him. And it's with those guys that he invites, you know, into his home, they spend the day and it's through those guys, you know, that's what you see. The next scene is these guys telling other people, them telling their friends, their relatives to come and see Jesus. So it's very interesting how Jesus uh, applied this principle and taught his disciples to do it. And it's something that we see throughout the book of Acts, the same method. Uh, so it's throughout the New Testament and it's been used for thousands of years by missionaries, whether they are local or abroad, uh, the same principle. So it's exciting to, to dig into it. That sounds cool. Um, so you mentioned the idea of going into somebody's home. So what does that actually look like? Because I know in my neighborhood, most people pull into their driveways, open the garage door drive in, shut the garage door behind them, and you never see them outside of their house unless they're taking their trash cans out. Right, right. So 
what exactly does that mean? Does that mean I'm going and living in somebody's home? Right, right. Well, you know, finding a place of peace, um, I'm sorry, a person of peace, it starts with finding a place of peace. And uh, I came across this through a guy named Alex Absalom. And he has um, a PDF that you can find online. It's called The Viral Gospel. And it speaks, a lot of the stuff that I have learned uh, is, is, is based on a lot of his material. So it starts with you finding a place of peace. And a place of peace can be anywhere from, you know, coffee house to a gym to uh, your kid's school. It's any place where God has put on your heart um, or, you know, God has put on your heart to serve a, a people that you'd like to serve, or it's a place that you are in life. But it is a place where you're around the most non-Christians as possible. All right. So that could be your neighborhood. Uh, if you're in college, you know, it could be a club at, on campus. If you're older, it could be an interest that you have. Uh, so the beauty of this is, you know, a place of peace. These are, you know, uh, for lack of a better term, these are towns that we can go to that are, um, you know, that, that are tailored for us, for where we are in life or for our interest. And it's about really setting up shop in those places so that you can influence that community of people for some time to find out who is open, find out who that person of peace might be. Uh, so hopefully that makes sense. So it's not necessarily just going into people's homes, though that's going to happen, uh, but it's about you know, finding a place, finding a community where you can set up shop for a while, uh, you and someone else, uh, you know, um, and see, okay, if there are open people here and devoting enough time to that mission field uh, to see results. And then of course, you know, we'll get to that later where if, if it's not working out, how do you leave that situation and start off in another place? Um, yep. So this is about influencing and, and infiltrating um, places and cultures so that we can influence them with the gospel instead of trying to get people to come to us we're going to them. Let me uh, backtrack here for a second because I just want to make sure that our listeners are clear on where this is all coming from. Right. So I'm going to try to explain this and you tell me if I explain it wrong and, and, and we'll go from there, I guess. So again, Jesus sends out the 12 and then the 72 and in, the, in him sending them out, he gives them very specific instructions. Yes. And basically the instruction boils down to like, hey, go to these towns, find somebody who's going to host you, receive you, feed you, give you a roof over your head, right? Right. And stay there, stay with those people. And if you go to a town and you don't find somebody, then basically just move on. Right. Like wipe the dust of your feet and go to the next place. Right. And so the whole idea of the person of peace is to now find the equivalent of that host in that town. Right. Correct? Correct. All right. Now, 
let me ask you this. Why did you go to this? Like what, what made you go like, Oh man, like, was it that, that evangelism wasn't working for you? wasn't working for your congregation. Mm -hmm. Was it that you felt like we're just sort of like floating, doing all kinds of things and it's not working? Like, right. What made you go, what made you find this and go, I, I want to do this. Right. Well, one, it was realizing that after being a disciple for 20 plus years, I had seen this happen in my life with people that I've helped become Christians. I've seen it uh, just a hundred times over throughout the church. And it's something that actually has been right before our eyes, but we really haven't really connected the dots and used it as an actual method. So um, I'm from, you know, the background that I have evangelistically is one where, you know, you're kind of focused on whoever is nearby. All right. So I grew up in New York City. That's where I became a Christian. So sharing our faith on the train, you know, you're have, you have a lot of access to, to people more than where I live currently. So you're used to going from person to person and just starting conversations and it does require boldness and things like that. Um, so that's kind of my mode, my, you know, original mode of evangelism for me. And it's kind of sporadic, you know, it's, it's, it's not what this is talking about where in, in, in Luke 10, you know, he says, look, you know, in verse seven and eight, he says, look, if you find someone, you stay in that house. He says specifically, do not move around from house to house. And what that helped me see was, okay, if I'm going to do this, not only is it imitating what Jesus told us to do, but this is something that every single human being can imitate, regardless of their age, regardless of the age of your kids, regardless of the culture, I mean, that this can be imitated by everyone for the rest of our lives. So realizing that and then seeing it confirmed uh, in, like I said, in my own life and other people's lives helped me see, all right, this is the way that we should. This should be evangelism 101 versus 301, which what I what I practice mostly and relied on that, and then, you know, you find yourself wondering, okay, well, how am I doing with this? But this is about planning yourself in a community where it's a part of your life, mm. if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. I think I hear a lot about um, the most effective evangelism is not even based on the things that you say, but the way that you live your life. And you got to be able to put yourself into a situation long enough where people do know your life, that it's not just, hey, that guy said the right things, and I was looking for a church, or the way that he said what he said appealed to me. Right. But it's some something that I'm able to connect to. Exactly. Yeah, you know, I think we're used to thinking of missionaries as strangers, you know, that go into an area and, you know, just convert people. And that is true. It starts off there with being strangers, but 
um, you know, Jesus became one of us. Mm. And so he, he wasn't a stranger. He might've been a stranger when he started off, but he quickly became one of the guys, you know, he, he quickly became, uh, someone that these men knew that they spent enough time with him, uh, to understand what he was all about. And they really were, they had time to decide, do we really want to give our lives to this guy? And they did because they got to know him. And I was used to just being in stranger mode and the window was really, really short to try to convince someone to come to church or yeah, study the right. Bible. And this is calling me higher because what Jesus is teaching here is no, well, you, you still do that. I mean, you'll still have the times where you're walking along the road or you're in the restaurant and you, you know, invite, you know, people as you go, the waitress, the cashier, as you go. Yes, that, that should always be there. Uh, but that's on top of your main ministry. And that's what, that's what this is about. This is about it being a part of your life. And um, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, like, you, dude, you just sort of rocked my world. Because the one level that I hadn't thought about this sort of affecting was sort of the missionary, if you will. Because as soon as you said it, I was like, yeah, like, I'm used to thinking of a missionary, somebody who we send somewhere where nobody really knows that person. And they're going to go and start a church, a ministry, whatever. And even, you know, for as long as I've been familiar with this whole principle, that is one level that I hadn't thought of, which is you're sending these people to be part of a community. You're not sending. And I think that's where missions fails a lot in mm -hmm. that it feels like these are strangers right. that, that are sort of trying to preach to people and never really become uh, part of the community. And it made me think about something else because like the next video we're going to do is going to be about uh, the feeding of the 5,000 and the walking on water. And one of the things that's really intriguing about that passage is that all of this stuff has happened. Jesus has come a storm. He has healed people. He has driven out demons. Now the disciples have been part of sort of this miraculous, like when Jesus sends the 12, they perform miracles. They drive out demons. They heal people they've been part of sort of the miraculous ministry of Jesus and still it doesn't fit in their mind that he can feed 5,000 people or that he can walk on water. So they don't understand his messiahship. But in chapter eight, he asked them, do you believe that I'm the Christ? And they go, yes. But it what you made me think of is like what they're buying into is is we know this guy intimately. We have seen his life. We may not completely understand them because again, when he feeds the five thousand and when he walks on water, their reaction is to be totally bewildered. They don't know what to do with that. Right. And so it's interesting because two chapters later, he's asking them the question of questions. And I don't think their understanding was there yet, but they knew the man. Right. They were right. like, we know this man. Right, right. He has to be. Right. So And so yeah. I feel like it just it just all I'm saying, and you rock my world in the sense that there's there's levels of this 
that permeates so much, so much, so many aspects of our life and even our understanding of Christ. And it's really cool. Right. Yeah. Well, see, every disciple of Jesus is, expects to convert people wherever they are. You know, you, you expect or you hope to convert people uh, at whatever stage of life you're in. So if you are on, in college, you're, you're praying to convert people um, at, on campus. If you're a part of a club, you're praying to convert people in that club. If you are you know, in a neighborhood, you're praying to convert people in that neighborhood. If you have kids, you, know, you go to your kid's school, you see other parents, you see other families, and you're praying, okay, wow, we, we really would be great to convert some people here. So that's the expectation, but how is that actually going to happen? And this, you know, Luke 10 and passages like it, this is the how. This is, this is the only way it can happen. Because if, you're, if you don't spend enough time in that arena, if you're not spending enough time in that school, if you're scattered and going everywhere else and you're too busy to give time there, then you are not going to convert people. You're not going to influence that culture. You're not going to be a part of that board or a part of that leadership um, and to convert you know, many people in that arena. Or it's just not going to happen if you're just bouncing around. So this gives some practicals on, okay, how you pray up, you, you have a partner, you have someone with you, you pray and you're asking for God to make it clear. You know that the harvest is plentiful, but you don't know if there's open people here and you're, you're praying for God to make that clear. And you go in and step by step, the principles that Jesus gives, if we follow them, then we'll know how to recognize when there's someone who's a person of peace, how to engage with them, befriend them, how to serve them, uh, how to begin this gospel conversation. Uh, you know, because he says, you know, tell them the kingdom of God is near. All right, so what does that look for us today? What does that look like for us to proclaim that the kingdom of God is near you right. and to serve them and, you know, uh, and go on from there. This is how we can do this, how it makes it practical. But it does require saying no to other things in our life, you know, because, you know, we, we all have a lot of arenas in our life. You know, we all have a lot of places where we could plan ourselves. And sometimes we don't want to be devoted to one for fear that, you know, maybe we're missing an opportunity here. And uh, this, this, you know, resolves that tension uh, if we obey it. Does that make sense? Yes. I mean, it does to me. Yeah. yeah so I think an example, I mean, we've, we've had a lot of examples in our church. You've had examples in your church as well. Uh, one example is a, a brother that we um, had here was devoted to skateboarding. And he had a skate park that he just always went to. And he developed friendships there. And he found one guy who was really responding. And uh, he brought him out to church. And, you know, they just, they were living life together. He got to know the brothers. He became a, he became a Christian. 
And uh, he actually worked at the skate park. So this guy worked at the skate park. He becomes a Christian. And from there, he starts to bring other people from the skate park because they know him. Uh, so another guy got baptized from there. Um, you know, a few others have come to church. Like this guy always has people with him. And it, so that's just kind of one example of a brother spending time in this area, making sure that people know that he's a Christian and working with the person that shows the most interest and builds that relationship with him. And really they have partnered to baptize other people at, from that skate park. Um, that's one example. Uh, we've had a, a number of examples, and I'm sure you can think through this and see, okay, wow, yeah, this has happened in our church. Uh, this happened with uh, my wife and I when we first moved here, where we were praying to baptize, you know, someone, you know, in our neighborhood or, you know, I think we had like a six mile radius. And, um, and you know, there was a couple that God brought our way. It was so funny because I was, I was sharing my faith uh, at Starbucks. That's, you know, kind of what, what, what a lot of us do. And this guy initiated with me. And, um, and I told him what I was in town. He asked me why I was in town. I told him, you know, to help this, you know, to work with his church. And he asked me about the Bible. I talked about discipleship and, you know, and uh, we exchanged numbers and he called me first. And all right, I'm like, so we just, you know, had him over for dinner and, <laughs> you know, so it's, it's, it really is applying these things, but it's like you have, you know, we have to know what a person of peace looks like. Looks like, yeah. And um, a lot of times it's, you know, I used to hear, we've got to find open people. We've got to look for open people. And we don't know who's open to God. Like we, we really don't know. Sometimes you can tell, but sometimes you really don't. But we usually can tell when someone is open to us. And, uh, that's, that's how, that's what I have seen is working with those who are open to you, who, who maybe they're open to the Christ that's in you, the spirit of God that's in you. Maybe they don't know it, but they are and working with them. So in a lot of ways, it takes, um, some of the intimidation and, um, some of the things that, that really make us fearful out of it. Uh, it's working with people that want to work with you. But then it, it does require boldness to, to really get into their life, to share your life, to share what God has done in your life, and uh, bring the gospel to them. When I was in college at uh, the University of Georgia, um, one of the places that we would go is uh, the Ramsey Center, which is where you'd work out. And when I came in as a, as a freshman or I guess my, my first year at Georgia, one of the older disciples said, this is our fishing hole. And that was the, the term that we always used was, this is my fishing mm -hmm. hole. And everybody had to find their own fishing hole. Right. <laughs> and so he took me over to the Ramsey Center, and he'd been going there for years. And it struck me that we're very habitual people, meaning that if I go to work out at 2 p.m. on a Tuesday... I'm probably going to see the same people right. every Tuesday. And you start to get to know these people. And he knew 
everybody there. And that didn't mean that everybody was coming out to church, right. but everybody knew him. Right. Everybody knew the kind of guy that he was. And as he introduced me around, there was this feeling of, okay, now this is my place. And I would start going on different days, but it's still my place. And there's this sort of like uh, um, sense of authority of and confidence that came with that of like, this is this is now my fishing right. Room. This is my right my place of peace where I can go and people start to get to know me. Right. Yeah. And a lot of us we've you know a lot of us have probably been a part of churches or ministries where during the holidays we have a place that we go and volunteer. And if you've ever been in that situation where it's like once a year you go to this place and it's like you're a stranger again, or you're just a familiar stranger, right? You only go there once a year. Maybe it's an old folks home and some of the same people are there and they're happy that you've come, but you feel kind of funny. You know, it's like, man, I'm just, I'm just coming once a year. I'm just doing this good thing. And, and then we're leaving. And that's almost what it's like when that's your primary way of sharing your faith where you're just jumping from place to place. And, you know, often I think like, wow, what would it be like if I actually came here often? I would know all of these people. I would know their names. I would know their story. Uh, I would, you know, I, I wouldn't just be coming in for this quick fix so I could feel better about myself. No, I would really get into these people's lives, uh, become one of them. They would know me and just how much God could work through that situation. So that's what this is like. But what it means is, like I said before, that we have to free ourselves up to be devoted to something with all of our heart, you know, to give people in this arena or in this place a chance to see, all right, is there someone that's open to me? And um, this can happen by household, you know, this can happen individually, this can happen by household, this can happen as a church community. In fact, that's something that we just experienced uh, with uh, First Rock. We are meeting on Sundays at uh, for worship at Regal Cinemas. Yeah. Baby. And um, so it's, it's, it's really awesome to be there. Uh, God just kind of landed this opportunity in our lap. But there were a lot, it was, it's been pretty hard because we've had to, you know, we've been a portable church and our prayer has been to win the hearts of the management so that, you know, you know, somehow we could store things there, or, you know, stuff like that. We just praying, you know, to convert people, you know, at, at the, at, at the theater, stuff like that. And uh, so what happened recently was we were, coming up on, you know, renewing our contract. And uh, we wanted to, anyway, the bottom line is God moved the heart of the general manager there where he has opened the door for us to meet in a bigger, better room that's safer. Uh, he is, you know, he, he offered to change the theater structurally so that we could store equipment there you know electrical all these different things wow. then you know he found out that there was a price we both found out that there was a, a an upcharge that 
uh, that was going to prevent us. He, he went to, you know, corporate and they waived the whole fee. So he's been a person of peace for us as a ministry. And, um, we're still not sure where he is, you know, with his, with his walk, but he has been such a blessing to our church. And um, so that's an example of a person of peace. That's someone that, that partners with you, someone that says, look, you know, I believe in what you're doing. And sometimes they become a Christian. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes, you know, they introduce you to uh, other people that are going to be, that are going to embrace the gospel. Uh, so a person of peace is not always a person that becomes a Christian, but it's someone who, who really is a window into another community. Mm. And uh, I heard a guy speak on it and he said, you know, how do you, he, he was talking about thinking through this in your own life. And he said, you know, when you go to the gym, is there someone that greets you more than others do that work there? You know, or when you go to, you know, school, is there, is there someone that gives you more attention? Not in a weird way, but, you know, in, right, right. in a, you know, healthy, appropriate way. Uh, and how, you know, these are clues that you might want to see, you might want to lean in and see what the Spirit of God is doing there. So the theory there being that maybe God has been working on this person. Exactly. And that Absolutely. you just walked in at the right time. Absolutely. I mean, for the original disciples, God was working on their heart. They were with John the Baptist. Right. And uh, not all of them followed Jesus. Not all of them went. You know, John still had right. disciples that were with him. But uh, Jesus started with those that did. Yep. Now let me ask you this, uh, Ronnie Rose. You're so crazy. You're you're not you're not a cynical man. Um, I'm a little bit of a cynical man, but for the person that may be listening to this, going like, "Oh man, we don't need to do that." What is different about this for that person going like, "Oh, you know, we're doing our own thing," or I don't see how this is any different than what we're already doing? Like to that person, what would you say? Well, um, I think one, you gotta, you gotta study this passage out for yourself. And, um, and I think you, you, you know, I think you'll see the pattern throughout the scriptures. I mean, whether it's the jailer, whether it's Lydia, I mean, it's just so many people throughout the book of Acts that this is how they were converted. And, um, this is just the way to really impact culture. Like we're just not going to see diversity in our conversions unless we are doing this, you know, so you would tell them they're wrong. Basically. Oh would you yeah. Yeah. I would, you know, <laughs> I mean, if this was what Jesus taught the 12 and through the Holy spirit, you know, they converted, what about half of the Roman empire in 300 years. I mean, it's, and they were, they started off as enemies of the state. There's gotta be right. something to it. <laughs> There's gotta be something to it. And, um, but you know, I, I know I have a, I know I have a good friend who he decided, you know what, uh, me and another brother, we are going to, we're going to start, a gun club 
where we're going to go to a gun range, you know, every week. And we're going to engage with guys who don't come to church at all. And we're going to pray. We're going to devote ourselves to this. We're going to we're going to pray together. But then when we get together, before we before we unload, we're going to say a prayer. OK. <laughs> and they are. I mean, it's like they're bringing the gospel to men that would never walk into church and they're winning them over. I mean, and that's what it is. That's exactly what it is. Like, we're not going to convert a variety of people from different backgrounds unless we employ this. Mm. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, Oh, let me just add something real quick. So can you imagine... If that was evangelism for you, no man, that is really the cool. thing that you love to do the most is your mission field. Like mm. this is your favorite time of the week. I mean, for the brother that's going to the skate park and that's his ministry. I mean, you think he's just feeling like, oh man, I gotta, I gotta go back to this ministry. Like this is, it's 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 cheat. This is a cheat code. I mean, this is like, this is almost unfair that we can do this. So. Yeah. Cause you got to then prioritize those things that I enjoy and you're like, sorry, babe, I got to go back to the skate park. Right. Right. <laughs> I wanted to do laundry. I promise. <laughs> but oh, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, that you, you can't try to use an excuse for, for, you know, neglecting real, <laughs> real responsibilities, but it is, but it's funny. Um, a lot of disciples that I talk to, it's it's hard for them to really decide that they're going to have fun. It's like, you know, you're twisting their arm to actually, you know, go out and do something that's fun and be devoted to it. Uh, you know, they're just not in that mode. Many people aren't. Yeah. I think that that requires a, a different mentality as well on, you know, the tradition that, that we've been a part of tends to have a lot of different groups that we're, we participate in, a lot of different meetings, a lot of different get-togethers, and being able to say on an individual basis of, I need to make sure that I'm reserving time so that I can do this. Right. So that, you know, if I say, look, I think that, I think kids being involved in certain activities, um, can go either way. I think it can be a great thing because it gives you a door right. into sharing with, with families and getting to know them. It can also go too far in the other direction where it's keeping you away from the body as well. Right. But I think as long as you go in, from what I'm hearing you say, if you go in with this mentality and change your thinking and say, the reason that I'm here, the reason that my kid is on this team is not to score the most points. It's not to... Uh, get a scholarship necessarily. That'd be a nice byproduct. But the reason I'm here is to let my light shine. Right. Yes. And to, to have an impact. Right. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Um, this is something that we're working on in our church. And we've been talking about this for a while. But we as a leadership had to be honest. Like we're telling people to do something, but we're not freeing them up to actually do it. And 
So we've had a lot of discussions about, okay, well, how do we send people out, but also have them come back and report? Like, how can we have a schedule in our church that allows people the time to actually devote themselves to these places of peace for a time? And sometimes that's for six months. It might be for three months. Who knows? But how do we free them up so that they can go out, do this, be devoted to it, give it their all, give it their best shot, and come back and report for encouragement, for more training, whatever it is. Yeah. And I think that so that's something that we we're starting to put in motion, you know, more and more. It's not it, it hasn't been easy. It's it's um, but it is exciting. But you know, you bring up a good point. I mean, if we're going to convert athletes then we have to we have to empower people who have kids that are athletes and say, oh wow, wow, you can go into this community and really be a light. You get to reach out to people that a lot of us will never get to. Mm-hmm. So how can we support you in this? Who can we send with you? All right. And you know, how can we support you? And yeah, there might be times where it's like you're having a church, you know, this is like your weekend church meeting or whatever, how can we support you? But also how can we encourage you? Like, how can we bring you back in for reporting so that you can hear from others? And, you know, I mean, that's how we're going to convert people that are outside of our box, whether that's, you know, Sundays or Saturday nights or, you know, midweek services or whatever, where we, you know, there is a place, you know, there is a place to have people come, you know, because there's sometimes a fish are going to just jump in the net and that's what Sunday services can be or, you know, other worship services. But we also have to have the times that we're going out to people. And um, that's how we're going to, you know, be a part of the spirit, you know, advancing the kingdom. So it, it does require a change of mindset uh, what we have seen is that it requires uh, training people to walk with the Spirit of God. It mm. requires, you know, tra- training people to um, have freedom, freedom in Christ, but also having structure. Like that's, we did a survey for our church, and that's what people said that they wanted. They wanted freedom and structure. And that might sound like, you know, opposites but that's that's the, the book of freedom with a fence right that's yeah <laughs> that's the book of acts that's no, sure. that's the holy spirit and uh so that's you know that's what we're seeing is we have to have uh, a schedule that allows people to go out and we have to have uh, a way for people to come back because the 72 didn't just go out and then that was it i mean they, right they, they gotta they come did, back yeah Never saw him again. So, so would you say that by and large, has been well received by your church members or has somebody come up to you and be like, Ronnie, this is the worst idea I've ever heard? No, I think people are excited about it. Now, people need help with really making it practical and pulling the trigger, so to speak, um, on it and, and giving some time because it, it, it is kind of scary in some ways. Uh, but for the most part, this is what people want to do. They want yeah. to have the time to devote themselves 
to, to other people. their neighborhood or wherever they are. They, they want the time to do that. They want the support to do that. And um, it's usually, you know, it's usually church leaders, you know, like myself that struggle with letting go and mm. um you control free you yeah well you know some of us even even when we think our think of ourselves as rogue you know renegades whatever we, we've got some of that in us sometimes and so yeah you know some of the stuff that you uh sent over before we started talking one of the pieces was addressing the need that you might have to make some changes in your life in order to make this happen. Um, I know a number of years ago, um, a couple of the churches uh, that I have heard about created what were called pillar schools, where the idea was, let's get a bunch of families to live in a particular community so that at least in this area or that area, we've got a greater gathering of disciples who are able to influence the community. And I think they found that to be very, very effective at that time. I haven't heard anybody talk about anything like that in a couple of decades. And I'm wondering if if there's anything that you guys are doing that incorporates that. Because I think sometimes as disciples, we think, I'm going to continue my living my life as I did before Jesus, and I'm just going to add in this Jesus piece. Um and I think that we don't step back and say, what needs to change in my life so that I can be a better disciple yeah. for Jesus yeah. or a more effective disciple It's for funny, Jesus? you know, uh, I'm familiar with what you're talking about when it comes to these pillar schools. I'm familiar with that. And um, I've seen a lot of kids in the church uh, become Christians that way, you know, kids who have grown up in the church and it's helped them to become Christians and to stay faithful. Um, I did, I was listening to something um, earlier where a guy was, he just got into this, you know, he just moved to this new area uh, and there was a church. And um, so they're trying to find a place for their school, you know, for their kids, uh, school for their kids to go to. And they were looking at this one school and a lot of the members were discouraging them from going to that school because there weren't Christian families over there or, you know, it was just a lot of, you know, a lot of non-Christians in this area. Uh, and, but this family decided that they would still go, you know, they would have their kids go to that school and that it would be a mission for them that they would devote themselves to that community and, uh, you know, win people over for Christ. And that's what they did. Uh, they, they went to that school, but they spent a lot of time at this, that school. They got, they got to know the principal. Um, they, you know, the principal was that person of peace for them that allowed them to come into the school and do more with the youth and, you know, allowed them to have like, you know, a Bible-based club and, you know, they, they did so many things with the kids there and help people become Christians. It's like, that's the mindset that we have to have. But that means that we, we, we've got to make disciples that really are planning on making disciples. Like we, 
we have to make missionaries. Like we, we have to teach people how to be missionaries right at home instead of, you know, Hey, how do we just huddle up together? Um, you know, I mean, that there's, there's a time for that, but the world is not going to be changed for Christ that way. Yeah. And, you know, I think you just said something, I think that's crucial to this whole discussion, which the departing point for all of this is the understanding that part of the reason why we're here is to make disciples. And I think this, this all works if that's the, the place from which we depart from. Right. Um, which, let me... Let me ask you this question, because I think this is, you know, before, you sent us this material to go over before we talked mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And I think what, one of the more challenging things was this whole idea of the departure. Right. So just to recap a little bit, this person of peace is somebody who's open to you. Is somebody who may open the gate to sort of the community that's around you. But there's also you not being received. Mm-hmm. And I have a clarifying question and then another question, which is, um, is there such a thing as somebody who receives you and then you go, well, this is not going to work out and you leave? Or is it just like nobody accepted me here and I'm going someplace else? Right, right. And in whichever of those two scenarios, like how have you personally handled this whole departure stage and how do you teach your members to handle it? Right. Right. That's really good. You know, what's funny about Jesus' instructions to these guys is he doesn't tell them which towns to go to where people are going to be open to them. Like, he basically tells them to go and find out. And there's, some of you are going to go to towns where people are not open. Like, we don't like that idea, you know? Right. We think Jesus, if Jesus is sending me instructions on where to go, then obviously there are open people there. Right. And he says, no, if there's, you know, if, if uh, the peace returns to you, then you need to leave that town. And uh, so that means, you know, at least for me, that, that tells me I, I really have to walk with the Holy Spirit. I've got to pray. I've got to have somebody along with me that we are both praying, we're assessing the situation to see, should we stay longer or is it time to go to another town? And, um, you know, it's, you know, it does require a spiritual view, like uh, me and a a brother, we were giving some time uh, to, his job, he had actually started a discussion group, um, a Bible discussion group at his, uh, you know, at his job. And um, it was really, really great. I mean, and the guys that were there were expressing, you know, an interest in learning about discipleship. And there was a while where it was just explosive. It was amazing. You know, one guy really seemed like, you know, that person of peace. And uh, and then it, it just it just didn't go well. It just didn't go well for a while. And 
we we had a lot of time to pray and we just asked God to make it clear. And um, so we ended up saying, you know what, you, you know, we need to devote our time to, you know, another mission field. And, you know, it was hard to have a spiritual outlook mm. on, you know, departing because one, I felt like, man, I guess I'm just giving up on these guys. And, you know, it's not giving up on people. It's not like, okay, God, there isn't, you know, we, we've got to recognize that there's the possibility that God is doing something with them that maybe somebody else is going to water that seed that you planted. It's, that doesn't mean that you're just banishing them to hell and you're giving up on them. <laughs> but it does require just some humility that it's not all about you, that God has a bigger plan. And the worst thing, one of the worst things that we can do is stay in an environment where people don't want you there and you're not shaking the dust off of your feet and moving on. Like that's a yeah. discouraging place to be in. It sure is. Where, you know, you're just staying in this town where, you know, the spirit of God does not want you there. And uh, so, like I said, it, it requires a, a lot of prayer, uh, learning how to listen to the Holy Spirit, mm. learning how to um, follow the Holy Spirit. And as we, we you know, as we discussed uh, in the material that, that, that uh, sent you, you know, how to leave with the same faith that the harvest is still plentiful. Like Jesus told them, the harvest is plentiful, but some of them went to towns where people were not welcoming, but yet the right. harvest is plentiful. So it's not plentiful if you stay there. <laughs> you know, if you stay in the same town where you're not welcome, where people are not open to the gospel, you're going to have a hard time believing what he said in Luke 9. So, uh, so, you know, we've talked a lot about, okay, how do we keep a faithful, pure heart, uh, when people are not open, how do we have a spiritual outlook, uh, so that we're able to walk into the next town with faith, the next place of peace with faith. Right. So to speak. the whole idea being that, Hey, the harvest is plentiful, but not there, but it may be exactly in the next town. Exactly. That's cool, man. Um, do you have any? No, I, I think this has been very enlightening. I, I mean, uh, without much introduction to it before even our conversation, it has inspired me just to go to work tomorrow and just feel like, I mean, I mean, serious. No, it's a whole new, new my, out, outlook. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my, my first obvious, one of my first two obvious places of, Peace would be my job and my neighborhood. And it really does transform the way that you look at your life, your neighborhood, and, and the, your job of, you know, what is, what is my goal here? And how am I handling things? Um, am I devoting myself to it? And it makes me reflect on the amount of time and the kind of time that I spend at my job. Am I punching in right at the beginning and punching out right at the end and hitting my car and I'm out of there? Or is it, man, when I'm there, 
I'm investing myself. I'm getting right. to know people. Um, or am I kind of just skirting under the, the radar? Right. Um, yeah. No, that's good. And I, I do want to just mention some practicals, you know, that have been really helpful to me and to others is, uh, you know, how do you recognize a person of peace? Um, you know, uh, it starts with you. It starts with us initiating. You know, Jesus said, when you enter a house, you say, you first say peace to this house. That's what he says in Luke uh, 10 verse five. So you first say it. So there has to be some way that we are announcing ourselves that we are Christians, that we have faith. Uh, you know, I, 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 one thing that I've, I've practiced that I heard someone does, they, they ask people, hey, what can I pray for? You know, is there anything I can pray for you uh, that you're dealing with? You know, that's one way to announce yourself. Um, there's a number of different ways. And uh, so how do you recognize if someone is a person of peace? Um, well, you know, one, they welcome you. You know, we see this with the disciples, right? They initiated with Jesus. Um, you know, they welcome you. They receive you. You know, they are, you know, open to spending more time or they're open to learning more about your life. Um, they even serve you. You know, I mean, that's, you know, I mean, you think about what Jesus was telling them in Luke 10 in verse seven. He's like, look, eat and drink whatever they give you. I mean. These people are opening their homes. They're, you know, they're giving you their food. They're giving you access to their families. Like they're trying to serve you. That's one of the ways to find out if the spirit is really working in someone's life. So you think through your job, you think through, you know, whatever place that you're in and say, wow, okay. Is there anyone who is welcoming, who, who's serving? And then of course, you know, the command is you stay there, you eat, you know, you serve them um, and, you know, you you ask for the spirit of God to make clear, you know, when it's time for you to share your story, to share how God has changed your life. Like that's us announcing that the kingdom of God is near. Like, hey, I'm telling you the kingdom of God is near because this is what this is what happened in my life. This is how I came into the kingdom of God. And this is how God changed my life. And, you know, so sharing your story, you know, finding out what, what, what God is doing in their life and then sharing the gospel with them uh, is, you know, what we do once we find someone uh, who is open to us. And, you know, so praying in the spirit, asking God to make these things clear, you know, it's refreshing. You know, it really is refreshing and it helps us to. Uh, focus uh, in the right place. I do want to mention one more thing. So recently we had a brother come here uh, on an internship. He's in college. He's on an internship with a company here in town. And he invited one guy to church. And uh, this guy, he's like one of like uh, 130 interns uh, that are at this company. So he comes and he brings some of his, uh, some, some of these other interns. Well, oh, wow. he, he's been, he's been studying the scriptures, really learning what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Uh, it's been amazing, but he's been bringing people out to church. Actually, people have been coming out to church that he's, he doesn't even know that they've come out to church. Like, you know, there's one <laughs> Sunday is like seven, 
seven people came to church, you know, yeah. with this guy. And some of them were friends of other friends of other friends. And it was just like, you know, so we have decided, you know, a, a couple of us, we're like, okay, we've got to focus on this, this group of interns here. Like God is doing something. We don't know what he's right. doing, but he's doing something. And so it's watching, it's, it's listening uh, to what the spirit of God is doing so that we could focus in the right places. You know, um, let me just close with this thought because I think what you just said is really insightful because I think there, there is an element of this that sort of makes it easier for us. Like you said, you're doing what you enjoy. You're building relationships, which I think many of us are a lot more comfortable doing that than just like cold contacting people mm -hmm. and talking to complete strangers and stuff. But there's a, also an element of this that's a little more difficult in that it takes a lot of prayer. Absolutely. It takes a lot of submission to God, to his spirit. It takes a lot of listening, which we're not great at, whether it's from people or from God. And at the same time, I think every, everything that we've talked about so far is really exciting as far as what God can do with it. Yeah. And I think this whole idea that you can take a Christian and put him anywhere, And that person can make a huge difference in a person's life, eternal difference in a person's life is awesome. And so, you know, I just want to thank you for being here. This has been awesome. Oh, man. Thank you. You guys. have been a, an unbelievable first guest of our podcast. Oh, man. Set the bar high. That's right. The other dudes are going to have a hard time. Oh, my goodness. Whoever it is. Oh, man. They won't be able to uh, compete with the smooth, smooth vocals of Ronnie Rhodes. <laughs> And so God bless uh, your listeners. I, I want to let, you know, people who have been listening to Rod uh, for these other podcasts, you have a special gift <laughs> from the Lord. <laughs> so uh, thank you for being here, uh, Ronnie. We really appreciate it. Uh, with that, we're going to close this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we do want to remind everybody and thank everybody. This is a crowdfunded effort and we appreciate your support. And uh, you can find us on social media at ether.ethermmc, anywhere that social media exists. And uh, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you on the next one. Bye.